preaching today, he said to come back for a funny and exciting sermon from Pastor Kurt. It's kind of the way Pastor Andy set him up the week before. But with the Uganda mission trip, you know, there's only half the time for the sermon today. So I was thinking I had to choose. I could either be funny or exciting, but probably not funny and exciting. Um, So as I thought about it, I decided to compromise and shoot for encouraging. And so what I really want to do today is just share with you some of the most encouraging doctrines to me personally, and then hopefully send you out of here with an optimistic outlook, ready to, you know, serve God this year. And so what I called this sermon is just, these are a few of my favorite things. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Jason. That's good. And since this was my first time preaching here at Northwest Hills, I really wanted to make sure I'd done all my research and had my ducks in a row. And so I was doing a lot of looking online a lot. And I found out while I was doing this research that you can access Santa's naughty and nice files data from the North Pole. I found this website that patches you into the high security servers. And you can actually see what Santa looks at as he's deciding, you know, and not only that, it has the raw data. It also has his final conclusion for you for that year. Apparently, he makes some notes to himself about each person, and then they scan them in so they can preserve them. And I was like, oh, I wonder how I did. So I typed in my name, Kurt Nelson, and this is what it said. No kidding. I didn't change this at all. It said, Rudolph and the other reindeer can't wait to get riding on Christmas Eve. You have been very good this year, and we will be visiting your house when you are asleep. And when you wake up, all your presents will be waiting for you under the tree. And I like, wasn't sure if this was legitimate or not, but that's exactly how it happened at our house. <laughs> so I figured, that, okay, this is real. And then I got curious. I was like, oh, so you can check anybody. So I typed in Sean Penn. <laughs> and this is what it said, Sean. It said, my elves have been busy all year making toys for good boys and girls. I just checked my list to see who's been naughty or nice and found that you have been very nice. Although there were sometimes you could have been nicer. (laughs) Oh, that made me laugh. And then, so then I thought, oh, I could check the boss. (laughs) So I typed in Andy Buchanan. And again, no kidding. This is what it said. Santa wrote, I've been keeping a very close eye on you this year after the things you did last year. (laughs) Said you've really made some major improvements. And if you keep it up, by next year, you may be closer to the top of the nice list. There is hope for you yet. (laughs) So I don't think Andy has seen that yet. But, But, you know, that's the main thing, right, that we're making progress, heading in the right direction. (laughs) And I was thinking, you know, a lot of people in our culture think that God is like Santa Claus, you know, that he sits up in heaven on his throne and he's watching us and comparing our nice to our naughty. And if the nice outweighs the naughty, then we get to go to heaven. And I mean, really, in our culture, that's kind of how people picture the message of Christianity, you know, that it's all about, you know, if you're good enough, God lets you into heaven. If You know, if you're basically a good person and I mean, if you watch movies and TV or you listen to people at, you know, your work talking about it, that's just how people think, that that it's kind of like Santa Claus, um, that that's the message the church offers, which isn't true at all. I mean, that's we know that's not how it works. Uh, Nobody's going to get into heaven because they're basically a good person, you know, or they're nice outweighs they're naughty. Uh, The Bible says all is sin and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, that that none of us deserves to go to heaven because of our own goodness. Instead, God had to send his own son 
Jesus Christ to come down to earth, be born as a baby in a manger, grow up as a human being, living a perfect, sinless life, and then die on a cross, uh, not being punished for his own sin because he didn't have any, but being punished for our sins, for my sins and your sins. And then after he died, he was buried. <coughs> Excuse me. And then after three days, he rose from the dead to offer eternal life and forgiveness of sins and adoption into God's family to everyone who believes in him as their savior. You know, that it has nothing to do with our good works. Our good works don't even enter into the equation. It doesn't matter, um, you know, if you're nice, that way you're naughty. Nobody's does. And so um, that's the real message that, our, that I don't think our culture gets. You know, that's the heart of Christianity. Um, in fact, my favorite verse is John 6:47. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who believes has eternal life. I think that's just so clear and it's so easy and so simple that that uh, if we put our trust in Jesus, we receive the free gift of eternal life. Um, And, you know, but but why don't people in our culture get it? Are we not communicating it? Do they not want to hear it? I mean, I just think, you know, it just boils down so simply and that we can present it so simply. I just wish, you know, people got it. Um, I love Larry Moyer. He's an evangelist, and I was reading one of his books. And listen to how simple this is when he puts it this way. He says, the one question individuals must answer to determine if they are forever a child of God is, have I trusted Christ alone as my only way to heaven? Like, oh, isn't that good? Isn't that easy and so clear? And he goes on, if they have, they are as certain of heaven as if they had already been there for a thousand years. Years. I mean, I just, oh, I just love that truth. So to start the year off, that's the first truth I wanted to remind you of. Justification. Justification is one of my favorite things. (laughs) Thank you, Jason. Okay. All right, moving on. (laughs) Okay. And... Um, you know, I, mean, I love it. I mean, just even just continuing on that thought, the Bible says eternal life is this free gift. And it even says free gift in Revelations 22:17. even though saying a gift is free is kind of redundant. But I think God put it in the Bible just so we'd really get it. You know, it's like just he's almost hitting us over the head with this. It's a it's a totally free gift. And it kind of reminds me of the illustration I was thinking of just on Christmas a week ago. Uh, we gave our younger daughter, Emily, a cell phone. So in our family, when you turn 13, you get a cell phone. And when Vicky, my older daughter, turned 13, cell phones were not that cool. You know, they just, you just opened them up and talked on them. Uh, but now, this cell phone we got for Emily, it's like you flip it open, and it's got a little keypad, and you can text all your friends. And then when you close it, uh, the top screen is touch sensitive, you know. And it's like, it's just so cool. It's purple and black, which are our favorite colors. And so Ruth and I were really excited about giving this gift to her. Um, and Ruth and Vicky wrapped all these like little decoy boxes, you know, and, and so Emily's opening them up, you know, and some had like packing peanuts in them and then she'd open another one and it had like Ruth and Vicky took toys from Emily's room and wrapped up her toys. So she pulled up it. She's like a ducky, but my ducky. <laughs> and anyway, it was really, I thought it was really fun. And then when, but then when she got them all open, each toy, each box had a clue in it. And when she, 
figured out the clues and put them in the right order. There was a cell phone number. And she's like, what do I, what do, I do with this? And we're, we're like, we'll call it and see who it is. And so she calls it, and her phone starts ringing on the fireplace mantle inside this snowman decoration. It, it was really fun. And then she's like hugging us and thanking us for it. And, and I was just thinking, but can you imagine, like, after all that, it's all this fun. And then she, like, hugs us and thanks us and says, okay, now what do I have to do to earn this phone? <laughs> you know, or, okay, I want to pay you guys for this. And we'd be like, no, Emily, you don't get it. This is a gift. This is from us to you. We just wanted to give this to you because we love you. And she's like, okay, that's good, but really, I want to pay you back for this. Or maybe I can work it off. Maybe I can do some chores for you and earn the and I'd be thinking, like, what? You're sucking all of the joy out of giving you a gift. Just receive it and be happy. And I just feel like God must feel the same way sometimes up in heaven as he looks at our culture. And he hears all these people talking about, well, I'm basically a pretty good person. I, you know, I think I'm earning my way to heaven. I think God will accept me because of all the good things I've done. And God's thinking, well, you don't understand. This is a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work it off. Um, you know, I mean, I sent my son Jesus to earth, this eternal, perfect, sinless God. And, and you guys spit on him and slapped him and, and beat him and put thorns on his brow and crucified him on a cross. And, and I put all of every one of your sins that you guys would have had all eternity, you know, would have taken all eternity to pay for him. He suffered all my wrath for them in just a short period of time on the cross. I mean, he did all this to buy salvation for you. And you think that little good thing you did at work today, or those your puny little attempts at being good, are actually adding to what Jesus did on the cross? He's, he's, no, he's got to be like pulling his hair out. I mean, not that God the Anyway, that's bad theology, but I'm sure it's frustrating, you know, that Jesus paid for it, and then now everybody else is trying to chip in their little, you know, contribution. And, and you know, how are, how are we going to add to what God did for us? And, you know, so I, mean, I think justification, it's just such an awesome concept and people struggle with it in our culture. And I mean, it's not just today. Um, I was reading about a guy who met D.L. Moody. In fact, I'm just going to read you this story. But this guy str- struggled with the same exact thing, like, really, God saved me just because I received Jesus as my savior. But, but listen to what he writes. He says, I was studying for the ministry, and I heard that D.L. Moody was coming to preach in Chicago, so I went down to hear him. During a break in the meetings, he came down and sat beside me. D.L. Moody sat beside me and asked if I was a Christian. I said, Mr. Moody, I'm not sure whether I'm a Christian or not. He very kindly took out his Bible and opened it to the fifth chapter of John in the 24th verse, which reads as follows. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. D.L. Moody said, do you believe it? I said, yes. Well, are you a Christian? Mr. Moody, sometimes I think I am and sometimes I'm afraid I'm not. He very kindly said, read it again. So I read it again. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. D.L. Moody said, do you believe it? I said, yes. Well, he said, are you a Christian? I just started to answer again that sometimes I thought I was and sometimes I was afraid I was not. When the only time in all the years I knew him after that, he was sharp with me. He turned on me with his eyes flashing and said, see here, whom are you doubting? Then I saw it for the first time. 
that when I was afraid I was not a Christian, I was doubting God's word. I read it again with my eyes overflowing with tears. Since that day, I have had many sorrows and many joys, but never have I doubted for a moment that I was a Christian because God said it. <laughs> oh, I love that. And if you're, so if you're here this morning and you've stopped trusting in your own good works to get you to heaven, and instead you've placed your trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross, then you have eternal life. What a great way to start the new year. You know, what a firm foundation to build on this year, knowing that no matter what happens, you are going to spend forever on the new earth in Jesus' perfect kingdom, praising God, serving Him in some capacity that you specifically were designed for, um, enjoying all the delights that God has planned for us ever, laughing and feasting at the banquets the Bible describes, um, fellowshipping with family and friends, uh, living in your dream home that Jesus is building right now specifically for you, uh, knowing that you found your place in the universe, your purpose, you know, where you belong, doing what you're meant to do, and, and knowing that everything is right in the world around you, and that it's only going to get better uh, as we work together to extend God's kingdom and magnify His glory to the far reaches of the universe forever and ever and ever. I mean, oh, what a great way to start the year. That is definitely one of my favorite things. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> it's Jason, our comedy sound man. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay. And going hand in hand with that doctrine of justification is eternal security. Eternal security is another one of my favorite things in the whole world. <laughs> Ignoring you. <laughs> one of my favorite things to talk about and think about. Because, I mean, what good is knowing if you have this awesome, wonderful salvation, if you think that you might lose it at some point in time? I mean, you know, that's not, you know, it kind of loses some of its luster. Uh, in fact, D.L. Moody said, um, there can be no true peace. There can be no true hope. There can be no true comfort where there is uncertainty. I am not fit for God's service. I cannot go out and work for God if I am in doubt about my own salvation. I mean, think about it. If you want to go out in there and spend every ounce of energy to serve God and to make a difference in the world, how can you do that if you're wasting all this energy worrying, like, well, what if I lose my salvation? Or what if I'm not really saved? Or, you know, and, you, and some of you might think, well, who would worry about that? I mean, the Bible just, you know, didn't you just read us that verse? Well, speaking from experience, I worried about that for years and years before I really understood uh, eternal security. And so we don't have a lot of time to talk about it this morning, but I wanted to put up two verses that just, that I kind of picked out my favorite eternal security passage. The first verse is Ephesians 1:13, And this is kind of the background. Paul writes, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So that's the good news that Jesus paid the price on the cross. And it's not our good works. We don't have to earn our way to heaven. Jesus paid it all. And so Paul says, having believed, once you've believed that, here's the good news. You were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Isn't that good? Once you believe, you are marked and when I was traveling around doing magic shows at school, since I was a magician, in one of my shows I would pull out a pen and I would joke. I'd say, 
I say, I'm a magician, so you guys know what kind of pen this is? A magic marker. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really laugh then either, but it was my show, and I thought it was really funny. So, But then I was thinking about this first, like when God marks us, what kind of pen? thinking God has no beginning, no ending. When God marks us, it's with a permanent marker. So you have this permanent mark that you belong to God's. And then it says, not only are you marked in him with a seal, so back then, a seal was a big deal, you know, a piece of wax, and the king would put his seal in it. And when the king sealed something, that was the end of the story. That belonged to the king. Nobody could touch it. And God says he marked us. He put his seal on us. And then it says he gave us the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit. So God gave us a deposit on heaven, like a down payment already. He put a little bit of heaven right inside of our life. It's the Holy Spirit is inside of us as our down payment, showing that that is where we're going, that our spot is reserved in heaven. And it says it's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. We have God's guarantee that we're going to be there. I mean, just Paul's just heaping assurance. I mean, one after another, we're marked, sealed. We have the down payment and a guarantee from God that we're going to be there. That's so solid. And that's, I think, the beauty of knowing that it wasn't any of my good works that earned my salvation. It was all what Jesus did on the cross for me that bought it. And it's knowing that I didn't do anything to help buy it. There's, there's nothing I can do to lose it. I mean, I don't have to do a certain amount of good works to keep it up or anything like that. God has guaranteed uh, my salvation. And, and I mean, there's, there's verses like this that just spell it out. Like, there's an empirical fact. When you're saved, you are marked, sealed. You have the down payment, the guarantee. But even beyond that, God goes beyond that and gives us examples to help us really picture it. And one example that God always brings to my mind is King David. Like King David was this awesome guy who did amazing things for God. But he's also famous for his amazing failures, too, and different things. You know, like the, I mean, everybody thinks of David and his adultery with Bathsheba and murder when he conspired to kill her husband Uriah. And then, as a punishment for that sin, his innocent newborn son dies and then later on he gets puffed up with pride and he starts thinking that he's all that and kind of forgetting about god and and who brought him there and he decides to number all of his um fighting men to see how great he is and god has to put him back in his place and he sends the plague that kills seventy thousand israelites seventy thousand innocent people died because of david's sin and so whenever I start thinking about my own sin, like, really, God's going to let me into heaven? But just think of all these things I've done since I got saved. God reminds me, well, think about King David. Kurt, you have not committed adultery and murder and been responsible for the death of a child and the death of 70,000 innocent people. You know, I mean, like, really, what am I worried about? Because we know David's going to heaven. <laughs> um, in fact, the Bible talks about David's responsibilities in the eternal kingdom, which would be a very interesting study to do sometime. But we know he's going to be there. And so we just have promises like this and examples like David so we can know for sure that we're going to be there. Our salvation was 100% paid for by Jesus and 100% guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that is definitely, that's my number two favorite thing. As I was thinking about things I would like to talk about, justification was number one. Um, eternal security was number two. And then some people might think, well, wait a second, though. If you don't have to earn your salvation... And you don't have to worry about losing your salvation. Well, then we can do whatever we want. We don't have to obey God. It sounds like that's what you're saying, Kurt. That's not what I'm saying at all. There are tons of good reasons 
to obey God besides the fact that you're worried about losing your salvation and going to hell. And the Bible goes through a whole bunch. Um, it says one good reason is because we love God. Okay? Well, another reason to obey is because it's the right thing to do. Uh, we can obey God because we want to get to know him better. I love John 14, 21. We can obey God. Um, next slide. Oh, yeah. To avoid God's discipline. Uh, because we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And then I just put, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because we could just fill up slides after slides with all these reasons that we should be trying to fight sin and live holy lives for God, you know, because we want more power in our life. Uh, we want more power in our prayers uh, because we want to have better relationships with the people around us. I mean, there's so many. Everything is better when you're obeying God. But I'm just pointing out that obeying God because you're worried if you don't, He's going to send you back to hell when you die is not a good reason because no amount of good works are going to keep you out of hell anyway. Uh, it's all about what Jesus did. So it's just kind of keeping those two things separate. Jesus has already rescued me from hell. I don't have to worry about that. I can use all of my energy, every ounce of my energy, every day to serve God. And um, some people think, yeah, but eternal rewards, you know, that's... That's, you know, so far in the future. That doesn't really affect my life now. I want to study truths in the Bible that will help me live better for God right now. And I totally agree. And I think eternal rewards, the more you study them, the more excited you get about them. And the more practical and life-changing they start to become. Like, as I, I mean, thinking about exciting, when Jesus was here, Jesus said, Blessed are you when men hate you when they ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man? Like, why is that so good? He says, be glad in that day. And not just a little glad. Leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. He says, when all these terrible persecutions come, look at it as this exciting opportunity to stand strong and to stand up for God. And every time you do that, you earn rewards in heaven. Uh, they're the, you know, are they really that exciting? Jesus said, if you really knew what they were like, you would be so glad you would leap for joy just thinking about them, just getting the chance to earn them by going through these persecutions. And I just want to, we don't have a lot, I mean, this could be a whole sermon series on eternal rewards, but um, I'm just going to give you one example today from my life, where how, how they came, became really practical and life-changing and the background is, you know, when our daughters were younger, we'd tuck them into bed, read them the story, you know, go through all that kind of stuff. And then as you're leaving the room, you're thinking, okay, this concludes my parental responsibilities for the day. And, you know, you're so happy because you're so tired. And Vicky, our older daughter, that, that pretty much worked just like that. Emily, our younger daughter, was like the expert in the family in dragging out bedtime. And, you know, probably most families have someone, you know, one person. And, and so I'd, we'd leave her room. And she'd be like, Dad... Do fish sleep? <laughs> I'd be like, yes, Emily, fish sleep. Now go to, now go to bed. Dad, what? <laughs> Did they close their eyes? And I'd be like, no, fish don't close their eyes, but you need to, Emily. Good night. Dad, what? Are they scared of the dark? I'd be like, no, Emily, they're not scared of the dark. Now, good night. Go to bed. Dad, what? <laughs> and then she'd be like, oh, now you made me forget what I was going to say. Like, all right, I'm sorry. I love you, Emily. Good night. Start to head out, get like halfway down the stairs. So tired. And then you'd hear like the, you know, the one the kids always pull out. This is their last ditch. Dad, can I have a drink of water? <laughs> and they're like, oh, 
And I had the worst attitude. I had to trudge down the stairs, get the back upstairs with this bad attitude. Here's your what, you know. And then I read this one verse <laughs> in the Bible. And my wife, Ruth, can te- attest it. I mean, this just changed, completely changed my attitude. Let me talk about practical. Uh, Jesus said, and if anyone gives even a cup... <laughs> Gives, I know, talk about specific. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. I mean, that just spoke to me. Jesus was saying... <laughs> Jesus said, I mean, when Jesus was here, he was a servant. You know, even after a hard day of ministry, you'll read, he's out serving his disciples, you know, at night... And he was saying, if you get a chance to serve, and you don't feel like it, but you do it anyway because you're trying to be my disciple, you're trying to be somebody who learns from me and becomes more like me, if you take advantage of that opportunity and do it because you want to be more like me, you earn a reward in heaven, one that you cannot lose no matter what you do. And so I guess today I just want to, from that one verse, just think how, how gracious God is. I mean, he didn't have to... Uh, save me from going to hell. I mean, I deserve that. But even beyond that, he didn't just say, okay, you can get out of hell. I'm just going to annihilate you when you die. He said, you don't have to go to hell. I'm going to take you to heaven with me. And I would have been so happy just to avoid hell and even be on the outskirts of heaven, just kind of like watching, you know, and, and just seeing all this beautiful stuff. But not only that, God says, I'm not going to send you to hell. I'm going to take you to heaven and I'm going to adopt you into my family. When I get to heaven... I'm going to be a part of the royal family in heaven. I'm a son of the king. I'm going to be right in the mix of everything going on in heaven. And I think, oh, that's too much. Okay, that is awesome. I mean, if that's the only thing I ever learned in my whole life, I could die completely happy. But God goes beyond that. He just, he's so gracious. He just heaps grace upon grace on us. He says, you're not just going to hell. You're not just going to heaven as part of the royal family right in the middle of it. He says, I'm also going to watch this life, this for your life on the old earth. And I'm going to watch for any good little kind deeds you do. Um, any little thing you do that you didn't want to do, but you did because you're trying to be more like me. And I'm going to reward you for those in heaven. Above and beyond just going to heaven, there's going to be special rewards for you in heaven for all these little things. I, every time I caught you doing something good, I mean, that's what teachers talk about, catch the kids doing something good. God's like that storing up treasures in heaven that we can never lose. And so, I mean, we go from justification to eternal security to rewards. These show God's grace. Every single one of those is one of my favorite things. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We're almost out of time, Jason. <laughs> okay, cut. There. <laughs> okay, listen, seriously. If you play that song one more time, I'm going to start singing. And trust me, nobody here... Are you serious? All right. Treasures in heaven can be yours and mine. Re- oh, I, oh, start me over. Start me over. I'm just not good at this. <laughs> okay, you asked for it, though. If, this, if you hear me sing and this gets stuck in your head, it's Jason's fault. Treasures in heaven can be yours and mine. Rewards from Jesus that last for all time. Jesus is coming and reward he brings. These are a few of my favorite things. All right. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. All right.
thy Jesus to reign forever with the King of Kings. These are you and my favorite things. Nice. Okay, I'll take one. Kids who are laughing in our treasure harbor. Teachers explaining deep truths about the Savior. Working together with our servant team. These are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> oh, you guys sound good. <laughs> nice. All right. Now we want everybody join in. Ready? Pastor Buchanan and Pastor Sean Penn, Santa's been keeping a close eye on them. Sean has been good, and he's improving. These are a few of my favorite things. Good. Worries of losing salvation. God guarantees our final destination. We can live knowing death has lost its sting. These are a few of my favorite things. All right, first verse again. Thank you. Yours and mine. Rewards from Jesus that last for all time. Jesus is coming and reward he brings. These are a few of my favorite things. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, uh, you guys are good sports, that's for sure. So, anyway, as you go out, just think about these doctrines. Maybe by the end of this year, there'll be a few of your favorite things, or at least encourage you as you go out. Maybe you'll even try something brand new for God, like that you never had the courage to try before. And you'll, you can think, hey, if Pastor Kurt can sing, <laughs> yeah, it can't be that bad. So just, anyway, that's my encouragement for you. I'm going to turn it back over to Mark and hope he can get us back on track here. <laughs>